Hey everybody, welcome back to another Pink Bike Podcast. I'm Mike Levy and today I've got Brian Park with me because we're talking to somebody who used to work at Pink Bike, Paul Haysom. Now you guys right you guys might remember Paul from his YouTube channel, Paul the Punter, uh, but he's doing all sorts of other stuff today. So we're gonna get to some of that. But we just want to catch up with Paul and chat about bikes. Paul, where the heck are you and how are things? Thanks, Mike. Great for thank you for having me on your podcast. This is uh, quite the experience already. <laughs> you might say it's the Mike Levy experience. I don't know if you want to. I think that's a kind of original name for a podcast. So you know you can have mm. that for free. Oh, nice. Yeah, that is good. The Mike Levy experience. That that though people will expect some sort of experience when they come and listen to it. It sets the bar a little high. I'd rather just call it the podcast. Yeah, I guess so. I feel like you're underselling yourself, but uh, right now I am in Arizona. I'm not in Canada. It's kind of cold here today. It's only 10 degrees Celsius. I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Over the weekend, it was like legitimately like 30 degrees Celsius. I think it was roasting. I think as like an icebreaker, I think we should let the people know like Paul. So Paul used to be a he was a salesperson originally at Pink Bike and then transitioned over to producer, director, content creator, et cetera. And creative recently, strategist. Hey, creative let's use my proper, my freaking proper job title. So there you go. Me and Carl did, put a lot of effort into figuring out what that job title would be. Did you strategize then, creatively? Yes. That was okay. pretty much what I was well, doing. Well, what I was going to say is that you used to live with Henry Quinney. Sure did. For a period of time in Queenstown, New Zealand. And, and I feel like you might have a, a Henry Quinney story or two. I mean, I have many Henry Quinney stories, but I want to make it very transparent that uh, I will not be saying the not safe for work stories on here. Also, mm-hmm. I've learned a little bit about media. Like if at any point I say this is off the record, then it's off the record, isn't it? Then it has to be cut out. No, we've pressed record. There's nothing off the record anymore. Just don't say anything okay. off the record. All right, perfect. But if if the person listening suddenly hears like a random cut, it's because I've said, oh, by the way, that's off the record. I can't talk about that. There will be so, no cuts. Okay. So uh, I guess one story would be it was my birthday, my 27th birthday. And actually at that time, I had like my quarter life crisis and just like completely went like down in my mood and everything. But I was sharing a room with Quinny because um, that's what you did. Uh, and we, I went out, I got super drunk, came back and I guess in some kind of mood, like locked the door and uh just fell asleep now at this time henry actually had two jobs he would work in a bike shop during the day and then he would work at ferg burger which anyone that's ever been there knows what that is chopping onions i'm pretty sure that was what he did for hours and hours and hours was chop onions um so he had a quite a rough time right he was kind of high stress so <laughs> but also henry snored quite a lot this should i, I will say this on the record and he knows this. And I had days and weeks of being woken up at three in the morning by his snoring. So this is fine. Anyway, I come home, I'm super drunk. I've locked the door and I've obviously passed out as you do. Cause if you're like KO'd from alcohol, don't drink. And I woke up to many texts and missed calls from Henry because we didn't have keys or anything. This is Queenstown, you don't have, you don't lock your door or anything. And he was, clearly exhausted and so tired and just wanted to go to bed and he said that he was banging on my door trying to get me to wake up and let him in <laughs> so that he could actually get like two hours of sleep or something 
I've got to, it must have been like 20 text messages and like X number of phone calls. But he was very, very pissed. Did, did you know Henry before moving to New Zealand? Like, did you guys both grow up in the same tiny village in the UK with like, <laughs> there is only one the church? There's one village in the UK, right? Yeah, like, one small own. hamlet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, it's uh, English town. It's that's where everyone lives. Um, no, I didn't know Henry. I just I can't even remember how I can't remember how I think it just like one of those things where he became friends with someone that I was friends with. And then that's how we like came together. Yeah. I think the thing I'm most mostly taking away from that story is that you plan to live to 108. Well, when did I say what? When did oh, I say that? You were 27. It was your quarter life crisis. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like midlife. Well, why, so why is a midlife crisis in like 40? It happens because at you're 42, to... everybody. 42. Yes. And you can do the math then. That one, that one works. So, Paul, you've had a pretty interesting life traveling around with bikes. Like bikes took you from the UK to New Zealand. And then eventually you ended up in Canada working for Pink Bike. And then you had your own YouTube channel. So let's, I want to go back to New Zealand. Was that originally just supposed to be like a trip to escape winter and then you were going to go back home afterwards? Yeah, it was. I used to work for Factory Media, which was Dirt Magazine. So I worked on the advertising team over there for like just under three years. And then I did this, I did this enduro race in um, like near where the Dirt office was, kind of just outside of Wales. And actually, you know, Billy, Billy Trailstars and Billy the Web that used to do the Dirt website. I was doing the race with him and halfway through the first stage, I had an asthma attack and just like couldn't breathe really. So very, very casually, I just left the race, <laughs> drove, drove back to my mum's house, which was like partway between like where I lived at the time. Um, and I was just kind of like really down and I didn't think my job was going anywhere. And I was like, what am I even doing? Like I have no money left at the end of the month after after working because I lived in London. And then my mum was like, you should just take a year off and go travel. So that's what I did. I went to Queenstown and I worked at um, Skyline, which is not, it's not the bike park, it's the lift. But we also looked after the trails as well. And then, yeah, and then the plan was to then go to Canada for a summer. So I had a year of endless summers, which was kind of cool. Um, and then get a job afterwards. That was, that was the plan. How long, how long did you stay in New Zealand for that? It was supposed to be one winter. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's only like seven months. I, I didn't stay for very long. I just stayed oh, okay. for one season. That was it. Yeah. And then and off I, to Canada. And then, and then when I came to Canada, I think I was, and then I got a job at uh, the North Face store that's in Whistler just cause um, I was like, oh, I really need to, I guess, earn some money at some point. And my boss was Harry Potter. Shout out Harry Potter. That was great. <laughs> If anyone's in Whistler, pop into the North Face store. I think he still manages it. Go and find Harry Potter. And then I, I kind of went like, what the hell am I doing again? Like, I need to get a proper job. So I just messaged Carl and said, I, because I, he was also, ah, that was the other thing. He was talking to someone I used to work with about them becoming like the European salesperson. So I knew that this job kind of existed. So you snaked also, somebody. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so then I, he was the only person I messaged about getting a job. And then in the end, yeah, it all worked out. Levy, did you message Carl for your job? Not so much. <laughs> Carl, I mean, 
that's that could be a podcast in itself actually yeah. but pink pink bike was uh about a block away from the bike shop i was working at mm-hmm. that's how i that's how i met the guys at pink bike so not as not nearly as much traveling as hasten to get the job no, that's no. for sure no. hey now now that you've done this kind of journey i know lots of people want to do a similar kind of thing they want the perpetual summer they go to new zealand canada bounce back and forth what sort of advice would you give to somebody who wants to do that who's listening i mean i guess just go and do it really that's that's most of my advice really it's like oh i i probably had hundreds of people come up to me and say like i'm thinking about starting a youtube channel it's like cool go and do it there's literally no barrier to entry like and that's the whole point like just go and do it we should talk about your youtube channel i know it's that chapter for you is over but it's one of the reasons i wanted to chat is because you know this statute of limitations is over you can say some stuff now (laughs) um but you like your channel was definitely you made a conscious choice to make it non-endemic and for regular people which although that's kind of common now it was kind of novel at the time where at that time everybody on youtube tried to make themselves more than they were and you were like very decidedly paul the punter not paul the like i'm totally a fast media bro what you embrace that yeah Yeah. why did you do that uh well i didn't really decide to do it because that's just who i was do you know what i mean like but paul paul but the thing is is so it's easy for you to say that but i guarantee you if 100 people start a YouTube channel right now, 99 of those people, they want to seem better than they are or cooler than they are or they know more than they know on that YouTube channel. And I think that's just the way that, like, you know, humans sort of fall in. That's that's kind of what we do, right? Oh, yeah. But your channel takes a very, like, uh, a more open, like, hey, I don't know this. Like, it's it was literally titled Paul the Punter. So was that a conscious decision to do that? Because it makes sense. No, well, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the videos I did were for sure reverse engineered, like mm-hmm. the green Whistler Green Trails video, like mm-hmm. which that w- I remember you, Levy, coming up to me and like almost having this one to one, like you looked me deep in my eyes and was like, that video was just, it was just brilliant. It was great. And yeah. then you proceeded to tell me all the good things about it. And I was like, oh, that's a good sign, I guess. <laughs> but, I, don't, I don't do that often. <laughs> no, no, you really don't. But, but yeah, but like the whole principle of it, it was kind of like, you know, a lot of the things that I learned about YouTube was like the best channels were just people who were just who they are. Because mm-hmm. like the, the age old cliche, I guess now it's age old, is, you know, like no one can do you better than you can do yourself. And that's what can set you apart. Like if you look at Brian, like BK, not you, Brian, like BKXC, yeah. he, he, for like countless videos at the beginning, he would ride with his thumbs on top of his handlebars. And he just have it in there. And then people were like, why have you got your thumbs on top of your handlebars? And he's like, I don't know. That's just how I ride. Like, he's not trying to hide it from anyone. Like, he's he's always been like, yeah, this is just who I am. Like, I walk a bunch of features. I travel the world. I do this. Like, this is what I'm good at. He, like, never put on some kind of facade. Okay, but what about, what advice would you have for people who, who they are is shit? Well, do you want to make a video? Like, like, what? Like, why would you want to make a video? Do you want to make a video because you enjoy making videos and you think it'd be fun and you'd be able to what you'd be able to show it while standing next to someone and not get this like burning feeling from within you of embarrassment? Oh, like, I get that uh, anytime, every time, every yeah. time I have to listen to a podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's what I sound like. Oh my god! 
Yeah. No, it's, it's, I think like, it's really, there is a lot of it of like, you kind of have to be accepting of yourself mm-hmm. or like, at no point do I not care what people think. And if anyone says, oh, I don't care what people think about me, that is probably number one person who does care what everyone thinks about them. You told me once, you know, you, you just started the YouTube thing and it was starting to take off after your time at Pink Bike. And I asked how it, go, it was going. You said it was, you were killing it. Everything was going well. But you said, you said, you know, I just have to trade my dig- dignity for success. <laughs> I mean, I probably you... said, I probably said that while I was doing ad sales at Pink Bike as well. Yeah, fair, fair. Like, but... I, I was like, I actually hate this person that I have to talk to. But here I am being like, oh, yeah, you're amazing. You know what you're doing. It's like, no, no, they don't. Catalog frame company number 23. You're just doing great. <laughs> I never got what, that bad. Can we, can we like make some people mad? Like, are there are there underrated and overrated mountain bike content producers that like? Oh, I don't. Want it. I can't. I don't want to. Oh, what? Wanna... You're out of the industry. You said you said hard hitting. Come yeah, on. but I'm still a I'm still a good person. Do you oh, know what I mean? I guess uh... I, I think it's it's more okay. I guess there's a lot of people that they don't really understand why people watch certain YouTube channels, right? Like they think it's, oh, you know, we watch, I don't know, like Remy or Jesse Melamed or something. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, perfect. Which Remy? Johan. Okay. <laughs> go, go Van, like those guys. It's, it's like, oh, they, they watch them because they're super fast. Or Johan is like, oh, yeah, he does this. And it's like, no, they actually watch it because the people are interesting. Yep. Like there are so many people that will like, Oh yeah, look at this guy. They shredded down this trail. Like, why do they not have five hundred thousand views? Like Nate Hills, for example, right? When he first started, he was crushing. He was the only person that had a gimbal, and he would ride really quick, and he would ride very close to the person in front, which takes a lot of skill and a lot of you know courage, I guess, for want of a better word. And it's like, yeah, that works for a time, but then I I did hear something that he would actively edit out any time that he was talking or someone was talking like I did it. I don't know if that's true. Allegedly. That's another thing to, for legal purposes to just drop in at every moment. It's like, allegedly it's this. Uh, and it's like, and now like, I don't even, I don't even know how many views he gets or whatever. It, I probably unsubscribed because I was like, why is this in my feed? Like, it's kind of annoying. It's fallen. It's fallen off for sure. I quite like some of his stuff just because it's like, it's kind of therapeutic. It's like I mean, yeah, uh, it's like it's, it's not... slow. It's like it's slow video. It's like a like a Christmas fire uh, on the TV kind of <laughs> like you just enjoy it, you 4K know. Log fire yeah, 4K log fire. Yeah, 4K log Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like yeah, at, at one point for sure that was very popular, mm-hmm. but it, that gives it a real shelf life because it's not progressing, it's not changing. You were pretty successful with your YouTube channel, Paul, in that I think you did a pretty good job of growing it, of growing your audience for people who. We're going to talk about why the channel isn't around anymore. But first, for people who want to start a YouTube channel, what are some what are some pieces of advice that you would give them? Like one thing that comes to mind for me is consistent content. People need to expect to see stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, for some point, like you know, like Wheel of Fortune has been on every week for however many years. That's exactly the same show, but still on TV, still popular. Um, I don't know. I mean, nowadays, I don't think it's about so much consistency. Because, like, if you look at like Mark Rober, do you know? You guys know who he is? Yeah, 
No, okay. So Stevie used to work at NASA. Now he's like, he does lots of like science stuff. You, he's mm -hmm. probably one of those people that you've seen a video of his. Yeah. You don't know who it is. Like, like he did like this glitter bomb. If someone stole something off his porch, and then it would explode, glitter over them and record it and everything. Um, he puts out one video a month. Like that's twelve videos a year. Like, it, but. But he also yeah. goes so insanely deep on anything he does. It's it's like his entire shtick is being so extra. Yeah, it's like every video is like this meticulously perfect video. Like there's these great videos about he set up a squirrel maze in his garden. It's like I don't know, fifty million views or something. So is the is the answer to go all in and do one super high quality video a month, or to do a Levy's daily about, blog? Levy's about to propose to me, Brian. What if I just wrote one article in twenty twenty three? We just do well, one video. That's that's about what I'm on track for. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it depends. I guess it depends what the business goal is. Like, if you can make a video, like, you know, people people make a movie once a year, right? Yeah. Like, why can you not just do that? like it all depends like what is the goal out of it like and the, well, the more the more frequent you upload something the less polished it can be like that's the thing the the more infrequent like each video has to be like insane i think that's a general rule as like a rent and grocery grocery enthusiast i feel like most people on some level are there for for really the two things they're there for your like social clout and then they're there for money is there still wait when, what do you mean like wait what are you talking about like people who are wanting to start a youtube channel oh yeah I their mean, business it... goals are a like partially they're in it because it seems like a really glamorous much more glamorous than it probably really is life but two it's it yeah you people love buying groceries and paying rent it's a, yeah. it's a huge huge hobby of mine um, oh, I get it. So you're saying like doing YouTube as a living, as an alternative way of doing a living. It, yeah, I mean, what I guess what I'm asking is, is like, if that's their business goal is to make money, mm -hmm. do you, are you, you're saying maybe don't, don't go as hard on the daily or weekly uploads as, as the algorithm might have demanded in the past? Well, yeah, I mean, people people say this a lot, right? Can we just remember that the algorithm is dictated by people's decisions? Yeah, yeah. It's not this kind of weird AI, ooh, crazy robot piece of That's script. That's not entirely true, but it's, it's partly true. If people, uh, if a lot of people are clicking on a video, mm -hmm. it's going to get suggested more. So mm -hmm. it's the only thing that affects that is people clicking on a video. So it's people's decisions to to make it, right? I will say, like, while there are huge problems with um, YouTube, YouTube, we're just talking about YouTube right now, but YouTube's um, suggestion stuff and how it it is polarizing and all the rest and how it it over over indexes on say engagement over over other quality metrics. I w I will say that at least within mountain biking, I really enjoy that it doesn't doesn't help help that much to have a huge channel anymore i think it's really cool that small channels can like if they make an amazing video it does well generally this week's pink bike podcast is presented by the pros closet the off season is the perfect time to stock up for spring shop a wide selection of parts and apparel and a curated catalog of new and certified pre-owned bikes the pros closet offers top brand and niche name mountain road, gravel, and e-bikes, 
inspected by an in-house team of experienced mechanics. Visit theprosclosetcom slash pinkbike for the year's best deals. And while you're there, enter code PBPODCAST to save $40 on your next purchase over 200 Now back to the show. Paul, what is your most watched video? Mm. And why was it so successful? If it was so successful, maybe your most, most views are 10,000. I don't know. No, it's 6 million. <laughs> Holy Amazing. shit. Yeah. Now I can, I can talk about that for maybe longer than a podcast. So I'll try and like sneak it down. But it was, and it was the classic thing that you'll hear a lot is that like, it's kind of like a song, right? There's probably a billion artists that wrote the greatest song of all time in like five minutes. Mm-hmm. And th- this is probably kind of along those lines is, you know, I was at a, a Republic Bicycles, which is closed, by the way. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Like, this is like the quietest shutdown of all time. Uh-oh. That's the local shop in Squamish, by the way. Really, oh, really job. good guys that work there. Um, and they were really helpful to me. Shout out to Nate and Will and all those guys in Armin. Um, So it was, we were there and they, it was when the Norco e-bikes had just been released. And they had like some evening. And we went down there and I went down there with my then roommate, Brig. Um, and I was like, he hate he hated pedaling, but he loved biking, right? He would often get off and walk up even a fire road. Like he would just jump off, didn't care, and he would just walk. Um, which you would hate that, Mike. But so we're at this thing, and I'm like, dude, I bet you just really enjoy an e-bike. And then I was like, well, why don't we do a video where we go out and ride your bike and then we go and ride one of these bikes, and then you just see like if you prefer it or not. And he was up for it. He was pretty good about that. Uh, and then we did it. And like, I think we filmed, we filmed the everything on one day on the Saturday. And then I just edited it all on the Sunday, did the voiceover and everything. Like the structure to me was so clear and obvious. Um, and then uploaded it. And then like a few days later, there are two most important metrics in YouTube, which is audience retention rate and click-through rate on a video. This video had a 75% audience retention rate, which is basically like having a gold medal run on in the Olympics. And then the click-through rate was like 18%, which is again, like gold medal level thing. And I was looking at this like, oh my God, like this could, this could legitimately pop off any second. And then just like that, it went off. And it had like 400,000 views in 20, in 48 hours or something crazy like that. Was there one or two specific things that you could identify about that video that made it so popular? Like, was it the thumbnail or was it the title? It was, I think it's, it's a very holistic thing. Like it all has to come together. Like, yeah, the thumbnail was really good because it had like the, you know, Brig doing a wheelie on an e-bike and then he was pushing. And it was like the green tick and the red cross, which was, always a go-to for me for success and then brig actually came up with the title i can't take credit for that he said oh you should call this this is who e-bikes are for and i was like yeah nice one Brig." oh wait a minute that's actually a really really good title i'm gonna do that well just like thumbnail um and title are really for that that second metric the the click-through rate it wouldn't really it wouldn't have mattered as much if the video was shit and didn't hold people right yeah yeah, for sure. Like you have to, you can have one good thing and one bad thing and they'll kind of do okay, but it's, it won't be this like runaway success like this thing was. But then the video, it's like, it was timely. Like people were like, are e-bikes good? Like, do you know what I mean? It was a very contentious topic. 
like uh, who who rides e-bikes oh it's just for old people blah 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 and and then yeah it was like the perfect it was the perfect video because you have you know the three three story narrative which was the exposition which is like Briggs loves mountain biking but he's really busy and it's hard to keep us fit to enjoy it as much as possible and then the problem was you know oh i can't go out and mountain bike as much as possible but what if this e-bike actually makes it fun and then there was a resolution at the end which was Brig having a great time riding the e-bike like it was it's so simple like that's the that's the beauty of it yeah so six million views what does that translate to money yeah everyone is that else. like is one view one youtube dollar how does this work <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'll just I'll i wish just i've actually got it up here for um for something so i can get to it really quickly and i can just filibust all the way in yeah mate it's made twelve thousand eight hundred dollars like off of since, six million views since 2018 and you gotta remember that most of those views will are like weighted at the front right mm -hmm. so like nowadays actually um what was the crazy thing like during the pan when covid and everything kicked off at the beginning of 2020 there was like a bit of a dip on kind of how how we were all learning everything but just before that in the january normally january because everyone advertises in december like in mainstream mm -hmm. world it's christmas yeah. like sell 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 and thus they don't have much money in january but that year i noticed that there was still quite a lot of ad revenue coming in in january and i was mm -hmm. like oh that's kind of really interesting and then after that you know that's where loads of money was getting pumped into youtube so i was earning like quite a decent amount of money off youtube ad revenue at that point that that was my next question how long did you have your youtube channel for and were you making a living from your youtube channel like relatively soon after starting it and was it a comfortable living no i i didn't my channel wasn't monetized for the first six or seven months i think because they just when i when i did the warm-up bike video which actually a lot of my videos at the beginning were purely to spite the people that i worked with like, <laughs> sincerely i would yep. say this would be a really good video and then people would just tell me now nah, you're fucking full of shit you don't know anything so i'd be like okay i'll just go and make it and, and then he's, talking, enough, he's talking about me here people <laughs> no you were literally even, us. Hey, were you working yeah you were working yeah, there someone. weren't you yeah yeah, yeah. I, it was a lot I, of it was a lot of people like that was like the daily battle i had was to be like hey i think this is going to be a really well, good idea and then people would just uh, shit on it well i told you you couldn't do the walmart video but that wasn't because i didn't think it would be good it was because i really couldn't handle the liability yeah neither could carl he also <laughs> yeah exactly he and i talked about it and it was like yeah sorry <laughs> but like the green trails video that's prime i was like we need to go and do this and then everyone was like oh no it's dumb like it's stupid no, I'm not oh, talking about you two specifically, but like other people in the office for sure. Mm -hmm, for sure. And I was like, okay, I'll go and do it. And now it's on like 900,000 so, views. Or something. So if you are an aspiring YouTuber, being motivated entirely by spite is actually quite mm -hmm. productive. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what runs us for the most part. I mean, part. dude, Alex, I, if either of you have read Alex Honnold's like semi autobiography, yes. like all of his big climbs were after breakups. And it was like all of his like monumental solos were like, oh, fuck this. I'm going to go and uh, do this. So I don't know, probably. So you, you know, you weren't making money for that first six or seven months, but you did have money coming in. You had 
channel sponsorships or personal sponsorships. Oh, no, no. This also is, I, had... was working. I was still working at Pinkbike. Oh, okay. Seven months of but then when, when did you, like, you started basically a small agency and then while also doing your own YouTube. This is after Pinkbike, post Pinkbike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were doing yeah. your own thing and you had your little agency. But I think the thing that's probably most interesting to people is. Sorry, what? Sorry, I just love that. You had your little agency, Paul. I was like, oh, thank you. Oh, I thought you might. I just meant like you might not want to talk about the agency. Do you want to talk about the agency? It was cool. It was interesting. Yeah. I mean, what the reason I did it is because a lot of, you know, my peers, I could see, I could, you know, I I was pretty good at seeing what was going to come in, Mm -hmm. especially in biking. And I could just see that the market rate was going to be really, really low because everyone mm-hmm. was going to just like, oh, wow, 500 bucks. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And it's like, no, it's actually worth this much money. Mm-hmm. So I only really intended to kind of do that for like a year, um, really just to kind of establish establish a market rate so that, you know, to get, you know, the, my peers to be like, no, this is what it's worth. We're going to fight for this. And this is how much it's mm-hmm. going to be. This is how much you should earn. So that's kind of really, yeah, doing that. So but, what, and, and and just what you're talking about is market rate for, not for YouTube dollars, but for industry dollars here. Yeah. Um, so you were saying like, hey, when you're approaching a, a bike brand, don't just make, you know, a 50 million view video for 300 bucks and quote unquote exposure. Yeah, precisely. Or a, like, or a bike oh, or whatever. Yeah. Oh, we'll give you this bike. And it's like, oh, wow, a free bike. It's like, yeah, but mm-hmm. what you're doing is worth like 10 times that bike. So like, totally. come on, like, let's, let's kind of really establish it here. So going back to what Levy asked, did were you able to make a comfortable living with those sponsorships plus YouTube dollars? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I, I made way more money than I did at Pinkbike. Yeah. I was, I was in, I'll be, I'll be comfortable in saying this. Like for, uh, I don't know if it was. Uh, must must no yeah it must have been yeah i was earning like i had a six-figure income mm-hmm. like quite comfortably how much work is it to constantly keep up with your youtube channel like obviously you can't just let this thing sit for even a couple days you got to be on it right well you can you can let it sit for a couple of days if you want to but you Maybe, know when was you... the last time you didn't think about work for a long period of time well, you might not be a bad example. But yeah. Like, like, yeah, come on. Hold on. No, no. I mean, it's it's pretty similar. Like, we're always, it's very hard to turn off. Yeah. yeah. But it's also like, you know, if, if anyone had a job and then they stopped doing their job, like, they would probably be fired. So it's, it's like the same. Yeah. How much work is a YouTube channel like this, Paul, to keep it running and make consistent money? What kind of hours are you doing versus a normal job oh it's probably i was probably doing less but that's probably fueled by i mean i don't did you, have you did, have you guys heard like i got diagnosed with adhd about a year ago yes yeah and then so th- that was probably what was fueling it is that i could i could do a lot of things very well in a very short space of time because i would give myself the deadline of having a video done by saturday so, but I could, because I was pretty good at, I could just understand what the video needed to be and mm-hmm. how it was like, I mean, one of the most dangerous things was that I'd be out riding something and then the narrative of the video would immediately start playing in my head. And I'm like, no, 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 I've got to, I've got to do the thing first. I can't just like, 
you know, I'm not, I'm not editing the video right now. I'm actually doing the thing. And that got quite dangerous at times, but so I, I I'd probably say I probably work less than usual. I mean, I could have probably, you know, like four days a week, like normal working hours, I could probably have get this going, but that's me. That's like my personality. If you look at someone like Seth or even Eric that does BCU POV, they put way more time into everything and everything is like meticulous, but that's also why their videos are much better than mine. So, I mean, they're, they're different for sure. Would you, no, they're much better. They're much better. Like it's not hard to admit it. Yeah. I, I mean, Seth does an amazing job for sure. Would you, I wanted to ask about the brand side. You've always been pretty like when you've worked with brands, you've been like, when we've chatted, you know, um, you've always been like very hot and cold on different brands and you've always emphasized the personal relationship over the product. Like you want to work with good people and you've gotten really frustrated when people just didn't get it. What's that like? What's, what's eating what you kill as a content creator? Like on the brand side, eating what I kill. Okay. Well, like, you know, I, know, I get it. It's just, a funny, it's just a funny thought, like just going around. Uh, no, I like, I don't, I didn't work with any, any brand that I didn't actually want to. And then the people behind it as well as a, as a, you know, a content person, because I had years of being forced to speak to people that I was like, I don't want to spend my hours and days on this earth talking to this person. Like, why would I do that? That doesn't make any sense. I could not be, I could not be a salesperson. It is a very, very difficult job. Yeah, I, uh, I've got it. Alan Crisp is just in an incredible salesperson for that. He has so much patience and just, he can get on with anyone. And like, yeah. I cannot, like, that's just, that's just who I am, you know? So, um, but no, I think, yeah, it, it became quite easy. And actually in my first, I wasn't even going to have like a bike sponsor and everything. It was Julian from Scott that suggested it he was like oh we could sponsor you and i was like really he's like yeah I'm like oh okay and then i like put something together and then yeah like i delivered a lot for yeah, it was it was like 500 bucks and a free bike right <laughs> yeah like that. <laughs> no but do you know what for me it was really important that the deal was always fair and mm -hmm. it was never oversold like it would it would crush me if i completely under delivered the value that I was selling for. So a lot of my deals, they were very meticulously like, you know, formulate, form, formulate, formulated. Yeah. Something like that. Someone will forgive me. Formulated and like, okay, you're going to get this much. And if you get this, then you get this and then this, 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 this. So it was always like, you know, like Brian, if you were working at Rocky and you had to take the, what you'd done with the budget and you had to take it to a boss or whatever and say like, this is why I've done it. Like, that's it's got to make you look good right yeah, that's all advertising is is make the marketing person look good to their boss like well it. it that's definitely i oh, it's that's it, a, it's that's it a big... like, come on let's we can draw a line under it and move on that's the only reason why we do work is to like satisfy the person that the, pays our checks so i agree in large part that is what a lot of marketing people are looking for i think that that's incredibly short-sighted i think well, I think it sucks because like really marketing people are there to sell bikes and it, especially at dealer wholesale brands that have like 10 layers of decision-making between the marketing person and the person who bought the bike, like actually put money in the dealer's hand. 
um it's very easy to like hide in in all those transitions but you know at a, at a direct brand or if you're you know or you're a tire brand selling direct or whatever it's much easier to ascribe real value to what a marketing person does so i think i'm not i'm not sure that it's just about make that like influencers or content creators their only job is to make marketing people look good i think it's also to sell product which will make the marketing person look good right but it's more it's more than just the vanity metrics i guess is what i'm saying okay or, or it should be should probably yeah it should be yeah yeah fair enough like, I, like okay so like if if and i'm not gonna we're not gonna highlight one brand here because i don't think that's fair but like if someone plows a lot of money into and i'm not by the way i'm not talking about you brian anything that you did at rocky man because i feel like <laughs> This, this is not, honestly, this is not what I'm referring to, but like if a, if a brand plows a lot of money into a really high production video, okay. And someone will be like, before you did, but it's like, you know, if, they, if, if that doesn't get seen by a lot of people, but like the video, you know, you say like, oh yeah, this is a, like a great video, but it doesn't get seen by a lot of people. Like what's the. Which one is more valuable in that situation? Oh, there's a ton of there's a ton of brands who spend a lot of money in the the like indie doc level quality thing. Precisely. Yeah. And and then don't get very good value for it because they forgot the most important thing, which is to be interesting. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so what what are the repercussions of that? And it's like, there doesn't seem to be anything. It's like, oh yeah, like, uh, good job. And then they just move on. And it's like, what? Like, totally. <laughs> almost feels a bit like idiocracy kind of situation. It is crazy to me. Sometimes the videos you see, we're like, wow, this costs this brand so much money, but they can't, they can't sponsor they a junior team or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. it's like, I, I don't want to, like, I don't want to make it about, like, I know in, in my, like the final or the video that I did last on my channel, which is like, it's really frustrating when the industry is just like not considering like a content creator as valuable. And I think a lot of it is just, they don't understand. Like, honestly, they just have no idea about YouTube. They have no idea about what anyone does. And it really surprises me because it's like, isn't this your job to know everything about it? I think that's changed a bit in more recent years but i think you do get those people that have been doing that job like doing their marketing job for long enough that they're sort of in that track where like you know racers or we have our free rider and a content creator is something different and i mean let's be honest there are lots of content creators out there who don't do great stuff just like oh, yeah, there are sure. yeah you know there are lots of writers who don't write great stuff and so on and so forth but um, I, I think there's, there's definitely a lot more value to a content creator now than there used to be for sure. But I mean, it's hard. Like there's, they have X amount of money and that's the budget and they have teams and mm -hmm. yeah, well, I, I want to hear, I want to hear about the, the sort of the catalyst for shutting her down and you've got new, you got a new job, you're doing other things. Oh, hold on. I feel, I feel like we need to answer Levy's question a little bit. Okay, sure. Yeah, sure. That was a very good question. Cause it's like, yeah, like I understand that like people don't have billions of dollars for marketing budgets, right? 
you know what I mean? It's like people think, oh, but like bike, the bike industry doesn't have that much money. Like compare, even if you can, if you compare it to like another sport, I don't know, like let's say golf or football or whatever. So you can't, I'm sure someone would just be like, oh yeah, I'd love to just throw money around like Canyon starting 500 different downhill teams, for example. So it, it's, it's like, yeah, I understand that. But when there's like a very clear payoff that someone will get at the end of, you know, of investing in something like a content creator that's so tangible, measurable, like, you know, there were, there was a, right. Me, me and Phil, skills with Phil, when we were doing stuff with Fox head clothing, um, we were at the U S open and we were sat in, uh, like a gathering. There was a bunch of well-known athletes there as well. Me and him had way more people coming up asking for photos and, and even autographs which was really weird like signing something is weird i signed someone's bike last year and i was like don't make me do this please don't make me do this i don't want to do this paul what is the the hardest part about being a content creator or a youtuber you're not you're not doing it anymore so there's got to be a reason for it uh well i'm still my new job is going to be making videos like i love making videos and this is something that i keep that's why in the final video, I kept saying it, I, I'm not stopping biking because I'm doing it for a job. I could have, this has been going on for 10 years that I've been doing it for a job in quotation. Mm -hmm. It wasn't to do with that. Like I love videos. I love filming. I love editing. I love producing. I think, yeah, bit, the hardest bit is probably just disappointing people in all honesty. Like the amount of people I must have disappointed when I actually met them in real life it's just like kind of been there's no not even a number that i can attribute it to right and i and i feel it all the time so actually i don't know if mike you might have had this actually it's just really people all the time <laughs> no but like dude i remember when uh we were at mags and a guy came up to you and was like oh my god you're the guy from the bike review videos and he like wanted a picture and everything and i was like yeah i'll take the picture no way this is great like I think it's it's that kind of moment where it's like oh like here I am just just in public and what will happen is people go hey you're the you're Paul the Pansy I love your videos and then you're like yeah cool what are you up to like and then it's like you have to almost make the conversation because it's almost like I mean this I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way but it feels like they expect you to perform for them they're so used to you watching you in a video that almost yeah. when they meet you in real life, it's like, okay, now, now do the thing. Like do the, you know, your personality, ah, crazy. I'm not good at biking. Woo. And it's like, no, I'm just, I'm just like hanging out, but good to me. Like, where are you from? Like, didn't you ever get tired though of, I, I, this is what I expected you to say. I sort of expected you to say that you didn't want to keep making videos about riding, like making videos gets in the way of riding. You know what I'm saying? Like it takes some of the fun out of it. No, no, I don't think Not so. At all, eh? I know you asked me this before. It's like, you know, how many days a week are you writing and how many days a week are you filming? Because every time I came up with a video, I'd had, I had the title and the thumbnail before I even go out and film it. So I, yeah, I okay. had, I was doing like intentional filming. Whereas if you compared something like, you know, Brian BKXC, he's like, oh, I'm going to go out and see what I capture from this ride. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, so, so then I guess for him, it's like, okay, if I don't wear a camera, then, oh, what if I miss something crazy? Like, ah, like, I, then I, couldn't, I couldn't do that. Totally. 
yeah but i mean brian just has ultimate drive for success so it's he's it's like water off a duck's back to him but yeah for me it's like i'd rather go and make an intentional video that had purpose rather than just like some kind of inane like pointless thing jumping back to what you said about the pro racers not not getting as much attention do you think that that's good or bad with like quote unquote uh, some people would say like serious athletes versus content creators is like whatever yeah. i don't like to see it that way myself but I, I think that there is a difference between somebody who is well known for their results or their racing and other people who are creating content for people like how do you square that like there is a probably a better roi short term for our imaginary marketing person we keep referring to here if they sponsor more content creators but that's money that is not going to say like junior racers or whatever else do you like how do quote-unquote serious athletes fit into your overall like do you just think there should be less of them or more people should just make things no i don't I think should I, danny I think... hart should danny hart devote all of his time to tiktok no that's not what i'm saying i mean i'm saying that they're just different like that's mm. one is not better than the other they're just mm -hmm. different things like for years i watched bike racing and i could tell you every place number from every race and like who was probably going to do well etc like that but i i really think that a lot of people just don't care about racing mm -hmm. like that's the that's the long and the short of it and it's like i can't control their feelings do you know what i mean like i'm not i'm not saying oh racing is bad i'm saying like i don't think it's valued as much as i think the industry like probably perceives it is mm -hmm. probably because a lot of marketing people came from a racing background or they strive to be a professional athlete. So then they kind of vicariously live through sponsoring people. I, I've I, said this I, about e-bikes a lot where, where it drives me nuts that all we're trying to do is race e-bikes. It's like, as an industry, do we not have any better ideas? Like e-bikes were built on non-endemic, on bringing new people into the sport for your buddy, Brig? Brig. Yeah. Um, that's like e-bikes was grassroots. And, like, is the only thing we can think of to do with e-bikes is to go race them? Like, sure, we should. Like, it's called Wheels, we'll race it. That's fine. But, like, the the crazy push to race e-bikes, to me, is always just like, ugh. Like, just like we why? don't have any better ideas. Yeah, yeah can we not I do... completely agree. Yeah. Like, Sam, how many bikes do you think Sam Pilgrim's selling? He's probably Shh. selling quite a lot. You know Shitloads I mean? more than whoever won e-bike world champs. I'll say I that. Don't even know. No. I don't even know how many rounds there are. Like, who yeah. does, like... I think that's just kind of it. It's just that, hey, people don't care about racing as much Dude. as people think they do. Canyon Canyon has Sam, but they also just hired the Enduro World Series champion as well. Like, I mean, they yeah, definitely... but they're, they are they're a brand that strives to be number one in everything. I yeah. think like that's an easy statement to make for sure. Canyon has, a, I think, a pretty cool. Like they've done a very good job of ticking all the boxes across like they've got a pretty good sports marketing strategy today it's it's big but it's pretty cool yeah and they also you know they sponsor a bunch of the free rider guys because mm -hmm. they have a, like probably a bigger budget than everyone do you know what i mean but it's yeah i just think okay and here's here's where the this is really what i wanted to share on this podcast actually is this kind of theory so it's the it's the knockdown effect of that kind of valuing valuing racing above everything else that affects 
mountain bikers mountain biking as an activity okay now i'm going to compare golf because this is a i know it very well and b this is also this is just fact okay golf and biking experience the same massive boom during covid and everything like that okay golf is still absolutely thriving and it is very hard to get space to go and play golf and people are buying stuff callaway just posted record profits right why biking has not experienced that same continuation of you know i went like is participation down like what does strava say i guess or trail forks mapping and i think it's because golf you know the mentality around that is to not be like oh i've got to be the best at this it's like oh i, I just want to go out and have fun but and golf is a competition my... like when playing golf is a competition paul it's true, where riding is not a competition it is a competition but that's well, it is in my like, head but not for everybody see, dude when i go riding with you what happens uh you cry yeah because you're screaming at me <laughs> going paul paul hurry up like you're literally screaming at me we'll talk we'll do a whole section of riding with levy because this is going to digress uh, like, people well, need to know this so riding with levy does does involve a lot of levy yelling yeah and it's like, generally constructive yelling but it brian, is yelling. brian at one point we were pedaling up a road and he kept picking up massive tree branches that had fallen off and he would ride and throw them at me i find it motivating them in front of and throw them in my wheels like that is literally what happened i'm like fuck's sake i'm just trying to bike here are we it's having just... fun <laughs> it's not about fun oh god anyway but like that's the thing and then like okay let's look at the conversations that happen right in golf people will like it's almost like a pride thing and everyone is comfortable with sucking at golf right mm -hmm. that's very everyone is very comfortable with that and it's like oh yeah we go play I, I, I suck but like whatever we're gonna go and play and that's not gonna affect anything but with biking like the conversation is like and this is and this is the other thing is that the sea to sky squamish whistler yeah. area is very much this bubble of freaking extreme sports action elite people and everybody is too good yeah and it's probably different however i have been to many places around the world and biking and there is a common thing and it's like you know it's always talking about the achievements of how fast someone does something or you know riding the gnarliest trail and like oh yeah we're gonna go and ride this because it's gonna be a book it's net like there's not so much like I mean, it does exist. I'm not saying that. Like, it definitely exists around the Phoenix area, which is where I'm at. Um, it's just like people just go, oh, I just want to go biking and hang out with my friends. And that's like, that's the main thing that we're doing here. I think what, the bike sorry, industry is... Friends? Friends? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's, I feel like the bike industry, because everything is just so race and... Do you know what I mean? It's like, could everyone just be comfortable to go out and like bike and, and have a good time? Like, is that possible? Like, can can people like do that? It's like, does every, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of, that, that is one of the reasons why I stopped, you know, stopped and kiboshed myself from biking. Cause I just, just didn't enjoy it anymore. It's like, oh, can we just hang out? No. Oh, okay. Because I'm, you know, not as fast as you. I now, we're now not going to ride together. Like it's, it's just like this. Oh God, I'm so tired of this. Like, it's interesting that the, the sort of coreness of would you say it was more the coreness of the industry or the coreness of your general mountain biker that drove you away because i agree that the industry 
over indexes on on robra and fast and whatever else like it's kind yeah. of because they put so much money yeah. into racing and the elite uh. part of it like i think that's it it's just like why not go and do other stuff do you know what i mean but then it's also tricky because then you look at like you know the specialized thing where you know where they got rid of a bunch of the um gravel guys and the yeah. tourers mm -hmm. and it's like okay yeah but like what were you guys doing did a lot of people look at your stuff? Like, did you provide value in, in that space? Like, why are you getting so upset that you've been like fired or let go when you, you well, probably weren't delivering stuff? Well, it was neither. What was interesting to me in that whole, and I think it's a nuanced, again, probably we should have a whole podcast on it, but that to me was very, I thought it was a cool program in that they had a program for people where there really wasn't, it was really like a, let people be themselves and do just do their thing and that's cool but it was surprising to me that people were surprised that in the face of economic uncertainty and oversupply in the bike industry that they were on the block when it, it, i mean they weren't fired they were contracts that weren't written you know like the it was I mean, november that, that at the end of it that's just semantics at that point sure but like if you don't have a contract to work for 2023 and it's November and you don't have a new contract and there's an impending recession. Like I just, I was surprised that some people were surprised put it that way. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think, Mike? I mean, I think specialized knows better than anybody. It's easy for people to judge it from the outside and say that so-and-so shouldn't have been let go and they shouldn't have done this. I mean, I don't, I don't know their books. I don't, I don't know what's in the red and what's in the black. And it's obvious somebody decided that these people weren't worth the investment or what they were doing wasn't worth the investment is probably a better way to put it. Business Levy, I like it. No, I mean, I'm just, I think it's real easy to shit on things when you don't know them and especially a company like Specialized and outwardly it can look a certain way, but like, I, I don't know. They, I bet they were helping those people a lot up until that point. And those yeah. people probably would not have been ambassadors or anything like that, period, without Specialized. Mm -hmm. And then that had to come to an end because things change. Like at some point, something is going to change and Pink Bike's going to fire me. And that's just like, that's just how it goes, you know? Yeah. Um, no, I remember I, one of, I one like of the what guys... those ambassadors were doing, Hasem. And lot, to be fair, a lot of those ambassadors were also racing a mm -hmm. shit ton as well. They were racers as well, not just people posting fun things on their Instagram. But I mean, it's like, it's just bottom line. It's not yeah. bad or good or anything, you know? I, I do remember one of one of the guys was like really grateful because hadn't he been getting support for like six years? And he was like, this is kind of amazing that I got support for six years. So I feel like I should recognize that person that was incredibly grateful for it. Um, yeah. Hey, some, what would you, what sort of advice would you give to an ambassador? Like somebody who is in that sort of position, uh, they have a presence on social media, they're going places, people know them and they, they want that ambassador job. What would you tell them? You've got to, you've got to be different to everyone else. You have to be unique and that's kind of part of it like you can have two sides here you can have the you know oh i'm going to stay true to myself or you can have the side where it's like i want to make this a financial success okay so that's that then this side is what i'm going to focus on with this answer mm -hmm. it's like 
you have to be different and you have to completely strive to make the best stuff that you can be. You have to, you have to upload something or publish something or whatever. You have to look at it um, almost as, as though it's not your child and you have to judge it. You have to be like, that was shit. That was shit. That was good. We're going to do that again. And then you put that back into the machine and you do it for next time. It's like you that's, sat in on my annual review meetings. Yeah. It's just like, that's how you freaking do it. It's like, it's not that much of a mystery for some reason to, I, I, it blows my mind when they're like, Oh, I can't believe I don't have a sponsor this year. It's like, really? Like, like why? Like, why would someone sponsor you? Like, who are you? Like, what is your channel about? Like, what is your, you know, what is your identity about? Like, like, can you, can you, when someone says, what do you do? And you say, oh yeah, I have this, I have this, see YouTube, I have this channel and it's all about blah, 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 blah. Like it should, you should be able to say that sentence like unequivocally. And you have to, yeah, you have to be different and you have to give a reason for a brand to be supporting you financially. And a lot of that comes from having a community, having a sincere mm -hmm. fan base, because if there is, um, there's a great podcast with Mr. Beast's manager where he talks about all the TikTok people that have got like millions and millions of followers. And then they'll do a meet and greet and no one will show up. Like no one. And there are countless videos of that happening online. And it's because they don't have a community. And if you don't have a community, you then can't, you know, hate the word influence your audience to go and purchase something or change their buying habits without that so well, and the communities can be self-perpetuating uh, you know obviously with pink bike i spend way too much time thinking about community versus audience and endemic versus non-endemic like if given the choice would you go broad and shallow or narrow and deep Ooh, it's a great question I feel like at the beginning you go narrow and deep and then you kind of expand yourself. Mm -hmm. You start at the bottom of the funnel and then work your way to the wider part of the top maybe. But, um, and it's, it's so like circumstantial mm -hmm. because it's, everything is so unique and individual. You can't just have a blanket thing for everyone because you know, what works great for some people doesn't work great for a different type of channel. It's like case by case, I'd say. Can I want to talk golf for a second. Oh yeah. <laughs> Easy, Paul. <laughs> so you had you had this bike thing going. Yeah. You're at PB. You left PB. You started your you Paul the Punter, the bike YouTube channel. At this point, I had known you for some years. Mm -hmm. I know a bit a bit about you. Uh, I here, here's a hasten tidbit. Extremely talented musician. Oh wow! I didn't but, know that to come. I know, <laughs> but I didn't know you were into golf. Because I don't think you were at the time, were you? And then all of a sudden, no. this golf channel comes up. So why and how? Well, in, in 2020, I was just biking too much. And I was like, I need something that isn't biking. Like, I need something else. Like, I was going to the gym. I went to Rebel Fitness in Squamish, my A-grade choice for anything athletic. Go and hit up Keith. Um, Look and, at him dropping sponsor plugs at our podcast. I pay, no, I pay that guy. Here's, here's a good friend though. So I mean, so I'm there at the gym and like Keith and a bunch of the other guys there play golf. And I was like, I actually used to play golf quite a lot, Levy, when I was a junior. Like oh. I was the captain of my school and we came like eighth in the national championships, I guess you'd call it, for nice. um, 
thing yeah but then like i just stopped because i was biking right at, at that age um and golf got expensive when you became an adult yeah compared to biking obviously no, I'm kidding. That's ridiculous. no do you know what we could talk i could debate this i could easily win any debate where golf is cheaper than biking easily sorry you think golf is cheaper than biking a oh, thousand percent it yeah, can, I would, it I can agree. be cheaper i, I say so both like the upper echelon of like paying for things well i mean i i take that i will take that back because if you want to go and play like tpc scottsdale where they just had a pga tour event like right now it's like 500 dollars to go and do 18 holes however in the summer that drops to like 60 dollars if you want to go and play that course so it's like um but yeah like that I, yeah i started because i just needed something else and then i did one round and this is where the adhd and you know hyper fixating i was just like oh my god yeah i love i love doing this like oh yeah blah, 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 blah. and then just like the obsession began did you have the same approach like are you naturally better at golf or at biking i don't think there's anything there's no such thing as natural talent there's no such thing as natural talent i it's just golf is very easy to put a lot of effort in and get tangible outputs after it than biking paul there's a big difference between rediscovering golf and rediscovering golf and starting a youtube channel and making oh, videos yeah. and videos about it so yeah how did that process happen and why um yeah i start i started doing a channel which i honestly every video i've done that's golf i'm like this is great please watch this i wouldn't say that about biking for some reason um and I, it started because i i was on a live stream i think and that i used to do and then i was like hey i, I started playing golf everyone and then people are like, oh, yeah, I play golf as well. Like, you should start a golf channel. I was like, nah, I can't do that. And then obviously I went and looked at every golf YouTube channel that existed and then went, I can do this much better. So then I was like, well, I'll just do this. And also I can write off tax for every bit of golf thing that I do from now on because it's <laughs> what I do. And that's what I did. So, um, so that was like another part of it. But, but was... did you have the same, sorry, did you have the same um like paul the punter approach to golf or was it like paul the pro yeah it was it was it was initially going to be like the original idea was can i get back to being as good as i used to be mm -hmm. and was the uh, answer yes or no oh yeah i'm way better now like okay. i'm a for anyone that's interested of my i have a three handicap is the golf channel still rolling uh it exists and i actually have some videos that i'm like these would probably be absolute bangers but it's it's just like you know there is probably a part of it where i just like playing golf and maybe i don't want to make videos about it and yeah. i that that definitely was discovered um in september i had a buddy josh who's fantastic um he's a video guy he does he does he does lots of video projects but he's like a videographer for like uh the leafs and other toronto based things um and yeah he 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 came over and like we did a week of making videos together and it was great but there was definitely a point where i was like i do not want to be making a golf video right now and i always wonder how good of a biker i would be if it wasn't my job i think i would be a lot better uh do you how would you think your relationship with biking would be healthier do you think you'd do it as much i don't think you'd do it as much I think I would do it three times I as much and enjoy it four times as much. Yeah, I, I think, think so too. Levy, Levy thinks about everything he's riding all the time when he's riding. And I think that that's really hard on him. 
genuinely. I think that you just hyperfixate on things and you go too hard into them and then you get really exhausted, could be burnt out, whatever. I hate that word as well. Like you just get tired and then you're like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Like there's I feel uncomfortable in this therapy session. Yeah, let's do it. Point, <laughs> the classic point of when you went and rode Rupert 50 times in a day. Was it, it was 20. No, 20. it was only 20. Yeah, yeah I was going to say 50 is a lot, isn't it? Really? Yeah, 50 is like, too still, much. But he's still a shit done. And it's like, what? how did you feel on like lap 20? You didn't want to be there anymore, did you? Who cares? <laughs> you got to, you have to, you set out a, yeah. Yeah, it's not about that. It. It's not about that. Like that's okay. something that I would do. That's not for yeah. work. That's, Levy would work. You, that's okay. just for fun. When you, if I assigned, you, if I assigned Levy to ride Rupert 20 times, he would not do it. But, do you do you oh, remember right. the Sun Peaks field test, Brian, when you tasked me with the e-bike oh, battery yeah. draining yeah. session? Yeah. And the complaining like, people, readers, listeners, the complaining. <laughs> My lord. <laughs> if you if you told me that I had to climb up something like all day long, like that's I like full disclosure, I love that shit. But <laughs> the fact that it was on the e-bikes and that made it easier, made me not want to do it. And it like wrecked it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but if you hadn't easy, have told me, I would have loved just it. Just as much physical effort. You, you would have, you, surely you put in just as much physical effort. You just went further. No, I put in less physical effort on those e-bikes. I don't care what people say. People always talk like that. Like they go, I'm riding just as hard on my e-bike. I've done a video. I've done a video ass. where I measured health metrics to prove that it was just as much. You just went further. There was yeah. another story about Levy when in the first field test where I was like, okay, we need to choose a easily repeatable lap to do a lot of times because it's going to be our baseline lap. And I had some other lap uh, sort of in mind, mapped out and stuff. And Levy was absolutely adamant that it had to be Dark Crystal. That was the o in on Black Home. Like that was the only, we just design. wanted to do it. I love and he... I mean, by the end of that two weeks, you were like a shell of a human for how many times you had to ride Dark Crystal in a row. It was five. <laughs> I did two laps of Dark Crystal a day, which doesn't sound like much, but you do that for two oh weeks. God. It was it's five thousand feet a day every day for two weeks, which is, in hindsight, that wasn't ideal. I was tired. <laughs> yeah. It was so semi-functional. I mean, the the theme here is that I think it's easy to let when it becomes your job. Mm -hmm. Just no, like Paul, you making no, videos. No, it's not. You it said wasn't... it takes some enjoyment out of it. You did just say that for golf. For golf. This, yeah, but right in that moment, for sure. But I was still like, I still, we still finished it. And I'd probably edit it and still be like, ah, but this is really good, isn't it? Like, the only reason I didn't want to be there was because uh, I ran out of food. Like, with my ADHD medication, it, really like takes away my appetite for most of the day and then if i haven't kept on top of it then five o'clock will come and it's like oh now you have no energy goodbye and you're like oh shit <laughs> so that was kind of one of the one of those situations for sure but, so the mountain bike channel it sounds like it's oh yeah you've, wa you've walked away from that i do have me, me and scott still have a, like this really great idea of a movie that we have shot and scott is just Scott Secker, this is the hardest working filmer in action sports. Agreed. Um, he, uh, he's, and it's like, it's, it was rough because I had this idea with Scott and I called him and I was like, hey, I've got this, we've got this budget. Like, we've always wanted to do a thing where we just like take a budget and we just 
put it into like a cool idea that we want to do. Like we could do this. And he was like really keen and like down for it. And then we spent a lot of time making this thing. And I know that he's got to the end. He's just like, oh, this isn't, this isn't cool. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> like bless him. And I, and he just like probably doesn't have, he probably prefer to make other things that he's been making that's more up his alley. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I did speak to him when I came back to Squamish for a little bit. And I think he's starting to edit it. But I was like, hey, Scott, like you be in control of this. Like you do it as you want to. Because if I come in and input, it's going to take away from your enjoyment. That's It's going to be all slow-mo Lana Del Rey remixes from now on. How did you know? That's exactly, oh, damn it. So what the heck are you up to these days then, Paul? If there's no golf channel and no no bike channel, what, what are you doing? Uh, well, um, I came down, I in, the, in my van, I was like, oh, I'm going to go down. I'm just going to travel around and... Then I'm going to try and get a job in the States because I really like sports as not like any particular sport, but like the, do you know what I mean? Like the ideology of it. Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that make sense? Also, sorry if you can hear rain. I'm in my van recording this and it's raining in Phoenix, Arizona right now. Hopefully you can't, it doesn't ruin the audio. No, um, so I, I was actually, um, before I came down, I was talking to Barstool Sports and their golf um, title foreplay. And I had like a two and a half hour interview with them. And I was like, this is perfect. Like I am so the precise person that they need to work on them. I'm like, I'm definitely going to have this job. This is what I'm going to do. Ah, this is chill. No worries. And then after a while, they just (laughs) sent me this generic, like, we're going to try and look into other avenues. Like we're going to take a different direction. I was like, what? (laughs) I was so confused. And um, I didn't really understand, but. So I, I came down here and I was like, well, I'm just going to try and you know get a job or whatever. Um, and then what's happened is I've met a really great girl. And this is why I haven't gone traveling around further around um, than Phoenix. <laughs> I literally <laughs> rolled in and five days later, met Jen. And then I was like, well, I guess I'm, I guess I'm just going to be here for a bit because this is like more enjoyable and this is where I want to be. It's funny how that works, eh? I know. It changed so fast. I know. And then, so yeah, and then now I have, I've signed a contract to someone to basically run their YouTube channel and edit for them. And they also own a comp, like a content creating business that's kind of at the beginning. And, you know, they're going to, I, I see that as being a real big success. So instead of just kind of doing what I want, which is how I've been operating for quite a while, I'm thinking more kind of future and like future career and like, what, what does that look like? And how can I, responsible yeah i know it's like hit 35 maybe i shouldn't just be fucking around 24 hours a day so so that's what that's what happened there and i mean i guess we'll get we can have a world exclusive in some ways i don't know (laughs) from a minor internet celebrity in in a very niche sport jen really likes biking and i have i have currently got a demo bike from pivot uh trail 429 is it called trail 429 i don't know yep yep oh good and yeah, I'm going to like the reason I stopped biking, just to reiterate this, because literally th- this, this is what it's like. I walked found a in- girl and now he's into biking again. Back into biking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, it's not quite as simple. It's, well, it's like if I like the reasons I didn't like biking were for the aforementioned, like, you know, oh, you've got to be trying to kill yourself. And oh, I'm you know, 
everyone, you can only ride with someone that's the same level as you. And otherwise it just doesn't work. And I was like, this is just fucking stressful. So, but there are people down here that just go biking. And like that, you know, I'll go and do it once a week and they'll, you know, they'll pedal around. And I'm like, wow, that kind of sounds like fun. So like if my reason for biking now is to spend some quality time with Jen and like with other people, and it's not like the main thing, like maybe it could exist exist in my life. Are you gonna like rename the channel to Paul the responsible business professional who rides bikes <laughs> in moderation? So I actually if I didn't get this, if I didn't get this job, I would I had a whole idea, and I think I still think this would be great, where each video is called Paul the something right and i just go and do whatever like it could be like paul the accountant and it's like all right today i'm gonna try and be an accountant for a week and see what happens or it's like paul you know paul the whatever and paul the i don't know tennis player it's like oh i'm gonna go play tennis for a week see what happens and i was like that could actually be really good like in terms of a success paul the responsible business oh yeah but yeah Paul's, no i don't know it's just yeah it's just kind of I it is it is quite tough and this is going to sound like the most fucking privileged thing to say of all time but life is not simple when you have a really cushy thing that you do 24 hours a day 7 days a week right mm -hmm. Mike Levy probably can relate to this it's it's like it's not quite that simple and actually when everyone else has 9 to 5 Monday to Friday responsibilities it kind of takes away from the value of your free time like you then have too much free time and you're like, well, this isn't as special as it used to be anymore. And then, you know, creatively, like I actually work best, yeah, on Saturdays for some reason. I don't know why. So then that restricted everything and you, you can't fit into everyone else's timeline because you're like, well, I'll just edit when like it's a good time to edit. Do you know what I mean? Or maybe, you know, write when it's a good time to write, for example. And it's just kind of like, I felt very yeah just in this different world i guess and it didn't i was like yeah this isn't kind of what i want to where i want to be and it's kind of and then everyone else is like oh but you can just do whatever you like all the time it's like well no i can't but and then i don't know just created a lot of confusion i guess so i looked back so i was so of all the bikes i thought you were going to ask me like oh which bikes did you actually like and which didn't you like oh no and i kind of that the giant trance x that i had the last the last one that was like i think that was technically the best bike i've ever ridden and like i know you got because i i got the value bike the value transex that you did um after you guys did the review on it because yeah, everything you said in review, you, yeah. i was like that doesn't make any sense like that's nothing like this bike and then i got that bike that very bike and started pedaling i was like oh my god this is completely different like this <laughs> like i never locked out the rear shock on that Transex Advance, but you literally could not do that on the value one with the shitty Fox shock on it, I guess. And I was like, I, it was kind of, I was blown away by that. But anyway, aside from that, I looked back like, which bike did I just have the most fun on? And I didn't hyperfixate about the angle of the brake levers or how much pull there was on a brake or what, how much rebound I had on my suspension because it was doing this. And that was probably that was probably a big reason why I was like finding it hard to bike because all I could think about was everything else apart from the biking, right? But then I looked back and I was like, which bike was the best? And it was the transition smuggler that I had. 
2017 or something. I thought you were going to say it was the zero you had for like 30 minutes. Oh my God, that was <laughs> a right shit stir, didn't it? Like that was, I, did, I had no idea, but that was like the, there was like a rumor doing the rounds. Like, oh yeah, some guy pink bike bought one and then he hated it and he sold it. Like, oh, I was like. For the record, Paul, I told you. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and so what bike? What bike did I get instead? I don't know. That was too long ago. It was the Transition Patrol that you said was bike of the year. Oh yeah, and that was better. So, yeah, it was. It was kind of yeah. a bit weird with that. Remember they said like you had to run like thirty-five percent sag on it for some reason. Well, you don't have to. Oh yeah, I guess I didn't. But anyway, but that smuggler, I could always just pull that thing out and just go and bike it and just be like, cool. So then I looked at the numbers on it. And all the other bikes that I liked, like the 2014 Kona Process, the redesign that Chris did, that one. Uh, I also like my YT2S. That was a great bike as well. The Patrol also as well. And then kind of the Genius, but not quite. Like that was, that was like a not quite. And then I looked at it and I was just like, all of the bikes that I really like have a reach of about 460. And then when I haven't liked a bike, it, it was longer than that. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Have I just, like, I couldn't get out of my own way and just got a bike that was the size that I actually probably preferred and said, like, try to be cool and get a large all the time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was, probably, that was probably a part of it, is that bikes were getting long and there was, like, this big trend to go bigger and bigger because everyone that's, like, good is telling you to do it. And I'm like... Yeah, because even I was riding that medium transex for a video and I was watching, I was watching the footage back and I was like, wow, I look really comfortable on that. And then there were even comments like, you look really comf more comfortable on this bike. And I was like, yeah, I do. So that's why this 429 um, is like 460 reach. And I'm going to put a 40, well, I got one of these new one up ones that the, the 42 mil stem. I was like, I was thinking actually on my way to go and buy a 40 mil stem. I was like, I wonder if one I've ever made those stems. And apparently they have. So that's what I've got. So I'm just going to try and replicate a bike that was like that transition smuggler. And then hopefully like that's going to help me enjoy biking again. That sounds like a pretty reasonable plan. You know, Paul. <laughs> I'm so surprised. Like, wait a minute, that sounds entirely that's, rational. Well, it does sound like a good plan. Paul, yeah. I'm, I'm just down the road from you. I'm in Tucson. Oh, we're not so going to go. Maybe yeah, I should go yell at him. Go yell at yeah, him. You said you're having fun biking again. So maybe I'll I just bike. I'll drive I up. I literally, I literally picked it up yesterday. <laughs> I, I, picked, I picked it up yesterday. I haven't, I haven't been out on it at all. Should and I no, come up I, for a ride with you and I can throw sticks at your wheels and yell at you? No, just like old times? No. It's just going to be too stressful. Like everything. And, I'm and here's sorry. The other thing, here's the other thing that's stressful. You are so fucking sketchy watching you go down something really hard i just can't i can't take it you're one person i would never follow on a bike because you're just like Bleh! like you're obviously getting down it fine but you just put the fear of god into me watching you do something and i'm like that's, nope it's called style paul not it's sketch. a style it's a unique <laughs> style that's for sure <laughs> all right everybody we're gonna end this podcast on that compliment right there paul <laughs> it was great to catch up with you again I'm going to load up and uh, uh, I'll come ride with you maybe this weekend and it'll be just like old times. Yeah, I'll get a tea time for us. Oh, perfect. Do you know what I'll would go be weird riding is if you take me golfing. Oh, yeah. Do you know what would be weird is like seeing me good at a sport like that. That would kind of maybe blow your mind.
No. I think it would. No, Paul. You're a good writer. You don't give yourself nearly enough credit, and especially for, like, in the Sea to Sky area. You're right. Like, it could be darling. Everybody wants to go super hard all the time, but you you never gave yourself enough credit. Oh, thanks, Mike. See time. how nice I am after you talk shit about how sketchy I am? I also said, and here's, here's another thing. Well, we, we barely even covered the topic of, like, what it was like when I was making videos at Pinkbike. And like, it was so funny. People probably like hated what I was about. And sincerely, I lost friends because um, I started my YouTube channel and that's what it was about. But it's funny, like I'm probably behind quite a bunch of people's favorite things that exist on Pinkbike that they die hard love and they might not know. But one of the things I wish I did do was I wish me and you worked more together in doing videos because you are so good on camera. Like oh, you're, thanks, Paul. you are probably top point something percent of people that can talk on camera in the in the world and it's like I, I i i wish i could see you do more i know there's other reasons for that You're making like, me blush you are so good at talking on camera i just think really not at riding in control <laughs> no no <laughs> not at all no all right paul well it was great chatting with you again and we're gonna catch up soon why am i waving it's audio <laughs> That's perfect. That's a good ending, isn't it? <laughs>